Troopers have all come close. I want one of my teams to make a championship. I want one of my teams to win a championship. That's what this is all about. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We talk about Wisconsin sports here. That's kind of our thing, right? We focus on the Packers, the Brewers, the Badgers, the Bucks. The intro, it, you know, lays that out pretty clearly. For our big story of the day today, though, we got to go down uh, deep into the heart of Texas. And I got really distracted all day as I was trying to get ready for the show because I'm, I'm an old soul. I explained this to Ebo last week. He asked me, you know, if I could pick a halftime show for the Super Bowl, who would it be? And I said, Jimmy Buffett. I, I'm an old soul. And I spent most of today, because we're talking about Texas, I tried to just think of as many classic country songs as I could that have to do with Texas, like old, old country, miles and miles of Texas, Galveston, T is for Texas, El Paso, Waltz Across Texas, Lukenbach, Texas. I just wasted my entire day basically listening to country songs from the 1960s. It was a blast. I should have done more work, more serious work prepping for the show, but we're talking about Texas. J.J. Watt being released by the Texans, the front office mess that is the Texans. Could the Packers get J.J. Watt now that he's not on the Texans? So I've just kind of been in a Texas mood today. That's what I've been up to. Happy Friday. My name is Grant Bills. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Glad you're here. Tonight's show is going to be very fun, but I it, we're also going to be serious. We have two first-time guests on the show tonight. Two. So as I said yesterday, everybody needs to be on their best behavior. We need to impress both of these guests. We want to make a good first impression. That's very important. So hopefully they want to come back. They're like, wow, what a great show. What a professional show that is. They have serious topical conversations. I want to be a part of that show, right? We need to, we need to make a good first impression today. First, Dave Dufour of The Athletic. He covers the NBA in depth, uh, analytics, film breakdowns. He watches every single team. I see him on Twitter every night. I don't know if he ever sleeps. He's always watching games. And he will join us coming up at 435. So please, can we... Let's let's impress him. Let's do our very best. That's coming up in a half hour. Coming up at 530, another first-time guest of the show, Landry Locker from Houston. Now, you might remember our friend Cody Stutes, who joined us from Sports Illustrated when the Packers played the Texans a couple of months ago. Now, I talked to Cody this morning. I said, hey, Cody, you want to come back? Come back on the show. We can talk more Texans. And he said, well, I'm actually taking a break from radio right now, but I can recommend a few people. And he recommended Landry Locker, who might have the most Texas name I've ever heard other than Cody Stutes, which I, you find any, like Ernest Tubb isn't as Texas sounding as Cody Stutes. So we're going to talk to Landry Locker, a very appropriate Texas football name. We'll talk to him at 530 about the departure of J.J. Watt, maybe the chances that he could come home and join the Packers, and a couple of other NFL things as well. So that's what's on the docket. We're going to talk Packers, Texans, a little bit of Bucks as well, and you're welcome to join 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line, and you can tweet at me at Wisco Grant if you would like. You don't just have to tweet during the show. You can tweet at me anytime, follow me anytime, and go back and forth, probably get really angry, tweet some stuff we regret. That's, you know, what social media is kind of four. So follow me at Wisco Grant, not just during the show, but all the time. I'd love to have a back and forth. News broke this morning that J.J. Watt was released by the Texans. I think Ian Rappaport had it first. Maybe it was Schefter. It probably came within 25 seconds of each other. Here is the statement put out by 
J.J. Watt. It's a little bit less than two minutes long. This is straight from the horse's mouth, straight from the Watt's mouth. I wanted to do this on video uh, as opposed to putting out a statement or doing a press conference or anything like that because I want you guys to hear it directly from me. I want to speak directly to you and the city of Houston um, so you can hear the words straight from my mouth. Um, I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. Uh, I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before. And now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. Um, the way that you guys have treated me, besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night, but uh, every day after that, you treated me like family. And I truly feel like you're my family. Um, since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, you guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. Um, the city of Houston has been unbelievable to me. It's where I met my wife. Um, it's where I've met lifelong friends and my teammates. Um, I've had incredible coaches and training staff and equipment staff and cafeteria workers and the weight room staff and uh, the front office people and people on the streets, people in restaurants and grocery stores and showing up at my house. Um, the connection is special and I will never ever take that for granted because I know how rare it is. Um, I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity and I've been working extremely hard. Um, but at the same time, it is, it is always tough to move on. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. Pewaukee's own J.J. Watt. I, I kind of wish I wouldn't have taken two minutes out of the show to, to play that because it's, it's all for Houston. It's all for te Texas, which I know makes complete and total sense, but this is the Wisco Sports Show. Selfishly, I was hoping he would say something. Hey, I don't want to shout out the people in Wisconsin. I don't know why he would. I guess I was just kind of hoping. Very narcissistic in that way. It was all about Houston. Okay, great. They love him in Houston. Great. I also kind of got a kick out of his opening message. And I, I've at times been annoyed slightly by J.J. Watt in a loving way. I'm not a hater of J.J. Watt, but sometimes it, he's become so big that his tweets show up on everything. Like you'll watch, I don't know, The Bachelor. Oh, there's the tweet from J.J. Watt on the bottom of the screen. Or you'll be watching any sporting event, any sporting event, NBA playoff game, NHL hockey game. Oh, J.J. Watt chiming in on Twitter. It's like, who cares? I don't care. I like J.J. Watt. He's from Wisconsin. I don't. Why is he always They're doing ultimate tag? They're in the subway commercials, which are actually clever. I'm jealous that I couldn't think of a funny commercial like that. I, that is clever. It's funny to me. He's like, I want to speak directly to you in this video as if he couldn't do that through a written statement or a press conference. It's like, if you're speaking, we're hearing it directly from you. But I get it. Sometimes it's easier to make a video. When I feel like I can't properly express something through a tweet, I'll make a video. You know, typically I try to make it funny and dress it up. J.J. Watt is just serious. He's like, hey, I want it to come straight for me so there's no misinterpretation through the media. I don't want the media to blow up anything I say. I don't know if J.J. Watt has to worry about that in Houston. Maybe that's just in other NFL markets like Green Bay, for example. I want to speak directly to you. Okay, J.J. So there's his two-minute statement. That's on his Twitter uh, if you want to see more, if you want to hear or watch it again. When I saw the news this morning and I read the details, I knew immediately what was going to happen. 
Um, and, and if you're like me and you're always watching sports TV and you're always reading and listening to podcasts, it's kind of fun to predict these things. It's like, I, I think I know what Skip Bayless is going to stay tomorrow. I think I know what Stephen A is going to or Cowherd, like trying to guess what the reaction to some of this stuff is going to be. And when I saw the news that J.J. Watt had been released, I immediately knew what was going to happen. I knew folks were going to draw parallels between J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson, and they were going to go all critical race theory on it. And, oh, well, a black man wants to leave town, and, of course, he's still there. And the second a white man, a white player, asks to be released, he's gone. Right? And without fail, without fail, Mike Florio, you beautiful son of a gun, pro football talk on Twitter, went for it. He took the bait. And he argued this. Deshaun Watson asked to be traded. Crickets. J.J. Watt asked to be released. With the team getting nothing in return for him. Immediate compliance. Da, 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 da. Of course, he, he's not coming out and saying that, well, the black player doesn't get what he wants, but the white player does. Look, the NFL has a race problem. They have a nepotism problem, too. And I, I don't want to take a whole lot of time out of this show to talk about race issues in the NFL. There's enough stuff going on. We spent so much time this last summer talking about race and what's going on in our country. Like, I... You, you don't want to talk about that. I think it's an issue. I think it's worth a conversation, but I'm not going to hold you hostage because I know that's not what you're here for, okay? The NFL has a race problem, but this has nothing to do with race. That being said, we should definitely ask Brett Favre what he thinks about this <laughs> just because it'd be funny. Somebody's got to ask Brett Favre about this. Just give him a chance just so we have something to entertain ourselves with. I can't watch any more of this impeachment stuff, but I would listen to a Brett Favre interview about him. He just comes in firing from the hip. Well, you know, Deshaun, he did it and away with less class you know jj watt meanwhile took a private meeting with the ownership which i can respect more i don't have a very good brett far voice but you get my point this has nothing to do with race the nfl has a race problem but this particular instance has nothing to do with race one player is a young franchise quarterback who's under contract for five more years the other is a 31 year old injury riddled defensive end with a cap hit of almost 18 million dollars on the last year of his deal I think the Texans were going to cut him anyways. I think this was probably going to happen anyways. So the Texans said, look, JJ, do us a favor. We'll do you a favor. We'll release you. But you, you know, you, you get the message out. You announce it and say, look, I sat down with the Texans. They granted me my release. That's good for everyone. You get, you get released. You make us look good for, you know, doing a favor to our star player. I I think it worked for both sides. The Texans were going to cut him anyways. It was better to do it this way. It looked better for both parties to come to an amicable agreement you know, mutual parting of ways, rather than the Texans blindsiding J.J. Watt. The franchise that drafted him. He's given everything for this franchise and this city, and they just blindsided him. So I, I think this worked out in the best possible way for the Texans. Not that the Texans, I mean, they've messed up every PR opportunity they've had, so I'm not going to give them too much credit. But I, I, I think this happened for a reason. It happened in the way that it happened for a reason. I think the Texans were probably going to cut him anyways. This is the best way to frame it. I want to talk about the Texans for a few minutes. I, th- this morning, I, I had to take a buddy to the doctor. Uh, he messed up his foot. So I was sitting in the waiting room for a while, and I had, I had time to myself to think and to people watch, but also just to, to read and, you know, write some notes for tonight's show. And I just went down this mental wormhole about the Texans because J.J. Watt had just been released, so I had Texas on the brain, miles and miles of Texas. And I was thinking, how did this get so bad? I mean, think of all the great players that have left Houston. DeAndre Hopkins, now J.J. Watt. Deshaun Watson wants out. I, I, I start freaking out. I was like, what if this ever happens to one of my teams? God forbid, I, I don't think I could do it. I feel for Texans fans a little bit. And, and 
you know, thinking about dysfunction in sports and the way in which general managers or owners or even coaches, if they have enough power, can really steer a franchise the wrong way and it can have big ramifications, like every good player wanting out. There's multiple ways that this happens when we see dysfunction in sports, right? It can come through ego. You see this with owners sometimes. I think we're, we're seeing this in Jacksonville right now with Shad Khan, right? It came out that he's had roster control for the last couple of years. That's a little bit of an ego thing. That's a power thing. I think we see this in Dallas with Jerry Jones sometimes, where Jerry Jones is so enamored with himself and speaking to the media and having his radio hits and doing his press conferences that it's actually detrimental to his team. Now, Jerry Jones loves the Cowboys, wants nothing more for the Cowboys than to win, but I think sometimes he tries so hard and he loves so hard that it actually is is hurting his team, right? Ego. Ego, we see it all the time. I think we see owners that are just straight up cheap, right? The Wilpons with the Mets for a long time. I know the Polads have been cheap at times with the Twins. I grew up about an hour from the cities and I would listen to Tom Bernard in the KQ Morning Show in the morning. Tom Bernard, the damn poll ads don't spend any money. Like that was every morning. Now the twins have have spent money, you know, here and there, but I think there's been complaints at times, just like with the Brewers, with Mark Atanasio, right? Or the the Sarvers with the Suns. Suns fans, I feel for you. The the owners have just neglected that team forever. The Sarvers, they should sell the team. You don't love the team. You don't want to spend on the team. Just sell the team, right? So you have cheap owners as well. And then you just have owners who just, they just suck. They're just terrible people, right? Donald Sterling with the Clippers, Daniel Snyder uh, with now the Washington football team. He's so bad that South Park is taking shots at him. You know, they have entire episodes on the lunacy of what, what's happened in Washington over the years. And that's just with the racist stuff. Now we have the sexual allegations and everything like that. It's the toxic work environment. He's just a bad person, right? And Donald Sterling is a bad person. Maybe ego, you know, cheap owners, just owners who are bad people. I don't think the Texans fall into any of these categories. Although Cal McNair did make some remarks, or excuse me, his late father, Bob McNair, did, right? When the National Anthem thing was going on and players were kneeling and he said, you know, you can't have the inmates running the prison. I get what he was saying. That doesn't mean you, doesn't mean you say it. <laughs> doesn't mean you say it, though. If you say inmates running the asylum, right? Okay, well, that's, that's a little different. But inmates running the prison, maybe don't make your business sound like a prison. Maybe don't make your employees sound like inmates. Maybe that's a bad spin. I don't think Cal McNair is a bad person. I think he has gotten sucked into this cult-like thing, and he's getting sold a bill of goods, right, by some of the members of his front office. Right, his general manager, Nick Casario, who they just hired, he was in New England for 20 years. And I, and I think McNair is getting caught up in trying to recreate New England, which is a bad idea. It hasn't worked for anyone. But they're trying anyways. Nick Casario, the new general manager... I think Jack Easterby, who manages all operations and, quote, directs the culture of the organization, is a snake oil salesman. And I think he's gotten in the ear of Cal McNair. And I think Cal McNair might just be a little naive. He might be a little gullible. Jack Easterby has been a culture coach and a character coach, but he's also been a chaplain. This audio and video has been going around of him talking about Jesus. This just is unsettling. His name is Jesus, right? We know about Jesus, right? He hung on the cross. He fed 5,000, right? He, I'm just trying to feed me and my family. You know what I'm saying? He walked on water. Y'all think Jesus like Crip walked on water like he got out there. He was just like, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, I was born and raised Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. I like my church boring. Church is supposed to be boring. That makes me very uncomfortable. I don't, I don't, what is that? You think Jesus Crip walked on water? Shut up. How does that, how does that sound? How's that answer your question? He's a weird dude. And he seemed to got a grip on 
Cal McNair and the rest of that organization. And ever since he's got there, you know, one after another, good players and good members of that front office have departed. I don't know. We'll talk about this with Landry Locker. He's coming up. He does Houston radio. And I'll tell you more about uh, Landry. Uh, That's such a Texas name. I love it. We'll join, uh, or he will join us, rather, at 5.30. I want to keep talking about J.J. Watt and whether or not the Packers might be able to get in on this action. Maybe. Who knows? We'll at least talk about it. That's why we're here. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. My name is Grant Bills. More coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. rolling on happy friday my name is grant bilson we're talking so much about texas i love steel guitar i love old country music like really old country music this is just this is good for the soul steel guitar is i'm an old soul i want to be able to play steel guitar it's a goal of mine we'll see if anybody anybody listening into steel guitar you got an old one lying around you're like hey I never played anymore. I should sell it to Grant. He would get a good kick out of it. Yes, please hit me up. 608-796-2558. Talking about the Texans and J.J. Watts. It is the Wisco Sports Show, but that's fine. We can talk about Texas stories, at least when they relate to the Packers. And I know I'm getting a lot of texts, a lot of tweets. Hey, J.J. Watt to the Packers. What do you think? J.J. Watt to the Packers. Yes or no? Yes, we can talk about it. Let's get into it. You can also tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, if the talk and text line uh, isn't your thing. Warning, we are going to have a new guest join the show. First-time guest coming up at 435. That's Dave Dufour of The Athletic. He covers the NBA. We're going to talk about Coach Bud and how he's approaching the season differently, perhaps, than the last two. We're going to talk about Brooke Lopez, who's, I think, at times kind of become the forgotten man in all of our Bucks conversations this year. Um, and I want to talk about the Bucks defense and maybe some changes they're making this year. So we'll talk to Dave, and we're going to be on our best behavior. We're going to impress him. We're going to impress him with how professional we are and, and how good of a sports show this is. That's coming up in a little bit over 10 minutes, so don't miss that. It's funny because for the last couple of days, I've been preaching aggression. I've been talking, Packers got to be aggressive, got to get after it, right? Michael Silver on Monday on NFL Network kind of started that train. He said the Packers should sign everyone. Go get everyone. Be in on everyone. Well, what about J.J. Watt, right? J.J. Watt falls under the umbrella of everyone. He is available conveniently just, you know, a couple of days after we first started having this conversation about aggression and and really trying harder. I tweeted earlier this week at Wisco Grant that I weirdly think the Packers' biggest obstacle to, to getting back to and maybe winning a Super Bowl is just their front office trying a little harder. And I, obviously there's some sarcasm and, you know, I'm, I'm being a little bit humorous when I tweet that, but I, I there's a sliver of truth in every joke. Right, The the Packers are are seemingly building a team that comes due every four or five years where everything lines up, all the contracts line up, the schedule lines up, they stay healthy, and you get a crack at it in 2010, and then in 2014, and then in 2020, right? Every four or five years. I don't want to leave it up to chance. I don't want to have to rely on timing, right? Especially now that Aaron Rodgers is in his last couple of seasons with the Packers. Try harder. Don't leave it up to timing and chance. Yeah, there's a lot of luck involved, but make your own luck. Tampa Bay made 
mistakes throughout the postseason. They made coaching errors. They Tom Brady threw interceptions, but they put together such a good team that it didn't really matter. They were able, or able rather, to overcome it. And I think that's significant. The Packers should try to do the same. Right? What about J.J. Watt? I think it would make sense for him to play interior defensive line, right? move inside and play alongside Kenny Clark. Sam Monson, a pro football focus, threw out that idea today, and I really, really liked it. It would be the Clay Matthews moving to inside linebacker. It would be J.J. Watt's version of that Clay Matthews transition seven years ago in 2014. When he wasn't quite strong and fast and young enough to get around the edge, at least not in the same way that he was, you know, 2009, 2010. But still got something to offer, so the Packers moved him inside. I think making J.J. Watt an interior player makes a whole lot of sense. Now, the question, of course, will be money. The Packers right now are about $28 million over the cap. And I was going to get a cap expert on the show, uh, a capologist, if you will. I wanted to get somebody on the show to talk about this today. But then I realized, you know what? I can I can do this. I can break down the cap. I'm no accountant. I'm no calculus teacher. But I, you ready? This is my cap breakdown. Okay. <clears throat> so if you were interviewing me, Grant, what, what? how do the Packers make the cap work? Is J.J. Watt a realistic option? And I would say, well... You know, I've studied the cap, and basically it's going to come down to whether or not J.J. Watt wants to take a veteran's minimum deal. If he does, great. Hometown discount, yeah. If not, nope, not an option. That's literally every player ever who ever comes available. You ever read a cap expert? You ever listen to a cap That's all they say. Well, if they're willing to take a discount, sure. But if not, nope. That's every cap, that's every cap breakdown I've ever heard. Right now, I'd love to have J.J. Watt. It's a move that could certainly pay off. But it's a move that, that could also bust. You know, he's dealt with injuries and he's, what is he, 31 years old? He's getting up there. He's not over the hill, but he's not hes not Shaq Barrett. He's not a lock player in his prime, right? Maybe for that reason, the Packers can get him a little cheaper. I don't know, especially because he's from Wisconsin. Who knows? But would you rather pony up a little money to get J.J. Watt or would you rather pony up money to get back Aaron Jones or Corey Lindsley, right? Those are the choices the Packers are going to have to make. Chances are they they don't get any of those three players on the Packers in 2021-2022. When I'm talking about being aggressive, I, I think the Packers need to be aggressive in the draft. Right? And that, and that might seem confusing because you always want to draft the best players possible. But I think the Packers need to be intentional about drafting players who can help now, who can be a shot in the arm now. Mike Renner put out a, a, mic dra- or a, uh, a mock draft yesterday. Mike Renner, who's been on the show before, does draft analysis for Pro Football Focus. Wide receiver, tackle, linebacker, wide receiver, corner, corner, running back, corner, wide receiver. That's how his draft shook out. That's being intentional about drafting guys who can play now, who can help now. Very similar to what the Saints did in 2017. They nailed the draft, and in doing so, they propped their Super Bowl window open just a couple of more years. They drafted Marshawn Lattimore, who's their starting corner, their number one corner. Ryan Ramchek, who's their right tackle. Marcus Williams, who's a great safety. Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best backs in the league. Alex Anzalone, who's a serviceable linebacker. They drafted Trey Hendrickson, who's now one of their better edge rushers, right? One draft in 2017 propped open their Super Bowl window for a couple of more years. And that's what the Packers need to do, too. When I say the Packers need to be aggressive, I'm not saying they need to torch the salary cap and trade every pick and sign every player. Just try a little bit harder and be a little bit more intentional about the way you draft players. All right, we need a guy who can help us now. Let's get him. We need a guy who can help us now. Let's get him. Instead of drafting a bunch of third and fourth stringers that maybe become an integral part of this team in three or four years, right? It's not all about 
torching the salary cap and signing everyone and trading everyone. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Now, I would like for them to do a tiny bit of that too, just a little bit here and there. They don't need to go all out. They just need a little extra boost, a little shot in the arm. And I think you can get that through the draft and just being very selective and choosy and a tiny bit aggressive. You can mortgage the future a little bit, right? That, that's what Mike Silver said. He didn't say completely burn the future, use the entire salary. That's not what he said. He said mortgage the future a little. And I would like the Packers to do that. Yes. Let's take a break. Talk Bucks and talk NBA with Dave Dufour. First time guest from The Athletic. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Happy Friday. My name is Grant Bills, and I'm glad you're here talking a little bit about J.J. Watts and the Texans and Maybe, just maybe, it's kind of a long shot, but maybe he could end up on the Packers. And we're going to talk more about that as the show rolls along. Landry Locker from Houston, we're going to talk to him at 530, and it's the most Texas name ever. Um, we talked to Cody Stutes from Sports Illustrated about the Texans earlier this year, and I managed to find the two most Texas names ever to talk about uh, the Houston Texans and J.J. Watt. So that's coming up at 530. In the meantime, we're going to talk to another new guest. That's Dave Dufour from The Athletic. Dave, firstly... Welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you. Is it weird to ask um, where you're based and if you've ever spent time in Wisconsin before? Uh, I'm currently based in Texas, but I'm, I'm from the East Coast. Uh, and I've actually never been to Wisconsin and was, was actually planning to come up last uh, playoffs for a Bucks playoff series. But obviously that didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't. Have you, so you've never been to the Pfizer Forum then? No, I haven't. Oh, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Tickets are more expensive. Like, I, I kind of missed the Bradley Center, and there was mm-hmm. something kind of nice about when the Bucks were terrible because you could go for really, really cheap. But the Pfizer Forum is awesome, and yes, you absolutely have to go. I, I want to start kind of generic and just kind of open the door for you to give you an sure. idea with what's going on with Bucks fandom. We, we want to see Coach Bud experiment, right? We're looking for trial and error and adjustments mm-hmm. and tweaks. And Bucks fans, we aren't really focused on the number one seed or the best record. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, through 25 games, from what you've seen of the Bucks, have you seen a difference in the way that Coach Bud has approached this season compared to the last two? Uh, I mean, certainly there are some schematic differences from, from last year to this year. But I think the approaches are the same. There's not much experimentation. It's still over-reliance on, on things that you know are going to fail in the playoffs. And, you know, granted, it is tough because, like, you run into the situation where you don't even know how to judge the team properly because Drew Holiday's out when they have a big game. And, and you know, this is just sort of the, the season everyone's dealing with, and I think it's just weird for everyone. But I would say I don't think that there's a large process difference in, in what they're doing. Slight schematic differences aside. Well, I, I want to talk about defense because you did a podcast earlier this week. Nerder, she wrote, it's through The Athletic, and it's with Seth Part... Uh, excuse me, I almost say Portnoy every it's time. Portnoy. But it's Portnoy, yeah. <laughs> you teamed... and, and Portnoy. Yeah, yeah. Portnoy. And he teamed up with Eric Name, who we know very well. He covers the Bucks, And they wrote this piece about drop coverage. And Bucks fans, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just basically Brooke Lopez is sinking near the rim. 
and near the restricted circle, and, and you occasionally give up the floater because you're dropping down by the rim. And there's great evidence in this piece about the rise of three-pointers over the years, but also the rise of the number of players taking those threes. Like, everyone's shooting threes. Four or five starters for every team comfortably jack threes now. And, and I think Bucks fans really want to see Coach Bud try out different looks and approaches. Have you seen that, or has it been all drop coverage, and, and what do you think about that? It's the majority drop coverage. I mean, when Brooke Lopez out, is out there, you essentially can only play drop coverage. And, and part of what has made him so great is because he is excellent at playing drop coverage. I think he could he could be a little bit more center field. You know, Mo brought that up on, on Nerder uh, this week where he, he talked about actually playing a little bit higher because you have guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton. So you have these high-end defenders, Drew Holiday. And you can actually use them to maybe more effectively defend pick and rolls. And, you know, you can cut down on some of those floaters. And maybe you don't get burned on so many threes. It's just they should be trying this stuff out now so that you know what you can go to in the circumstances that we know are going to exist in the playoffs. It's, they're going to get exploited if they're only playing drop. Well, and speaking of, of exploited, you made an awesome point, or somebody on the pod made an awesome point, about uh, an awesome analogy towards Jurassic Park and the Velociraptors at the beginning of the movie, they're testing the fence and they're looking for weaknesses, Mm -hmm. right? And over time, like a seven-game series, for example, right, if that fence doesn't change, they're going to be able to find that weakness and exploit it. And Dave, I got to say, that analogy hurt even more because it was the actual Toronto Raptors that did exactly that to the Bucks in, in 2019. I still think about 2019 every day. That is a very, very painful memory. Yeah, that was actually Seth part now that that said that but we're kind of like borg we're a collective we'll we'll all take credit for each other's good ideas (laughs) um but yeah no exactly that's the thing and and so you know you need to have other things that you have proficiency at doing and and that's what the regular season is all about i brought up greg popovich that that guy has used the regular season to experiment more than possibly any other coach in nba history he just does not care about regular season games as long as there's a certain level of, of comfort that they're going to make the playoffs. I, I don't mean so much this year. Like this year, certainly, yeah. they need to win every single game. But under usual circumstances, when you had Tim Duncan, well, you're going to test some things out. You want to see what works. And if you win a lot of games along the way, that's great. That means what you're doing is working. But you, you have to understand that this Bucks team, you are banked a certain number of wins. You're going to make the playoffs. It's not in question. You're, you're probably going to be able to waltz into a top four seed, no questions asked, but you should be playing around so that when you get into the playoffs, you're ready when those teams are just destroying your drop coverage. Dave and walling up against Giannis. Yeah. They have done more stuff. I I will say they've done more stuff on the offensive end to make changes than the defensive end. There, there There are major differences offensively compared to defensively. Well, they added the dunker spot, which I was excited about, but then I did like an hour of reading about it and realized that, oh, everybody does this. So this isn't, this the is the Bucks just kind of joining the world. Yeah, the dunker spot has, has been used for 50 years of basketball. I yeah. mean, it's like, it's not groundbreaking. It's just that, you know, it's, uh, for, for people who aren't proficient in the game, like it's something that you wouldn't necessarily know, right? And so to point out the fact that this team hadn't been doing something that has been used. And, and it's used because it works for, like, 50 years. It's it just stuff like that. It, it, from being stubborn with yeah. the way you do things. It just wasn't happening before, and now they added it, and it feels like, oh, wow, you've opened up a whole other world. No, it's just 
regular stuff that we know works. Yeah, they joined the rest of the modern world. Coaches are stubborn. That's like a prerequisite for being a coach. Like they just have stubbornness in their blood. You don't. You don't. You don't think I so? I disagree. I'm a. I'm a basketball coach. That's okay. how I got into this, and and I pride myself on listening to everybody and not being set in my ways. That's see. That's a nice perspective. If I had solved, if I had solved the sport of basketball, I would not be hosting a podcast. I'd probably be a general manager of a team. Yeah, you'd be coaching. You'd be doing it. I, I would, I would at least already be in the Hall of Fame. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Dave DeFore of the Athletic joining us just for a couple minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. We we're talking about the dunker spot and, and drop coverage. I want to talk about Brooke Lopez because, as you said, he's been really good in that spot and. It seems like over the last couple of years, and I going into today, I didn't see any numbers on this. I didn't look into this at all. It's just from my memory of watching games. It seems like every year that has passed since he's arrived in Milwaukee, he's become a little bit less effective, right? And, and obviously keeping drop coverage in mind, but also talking about the offensive end too and what he does on that end. What's Brooks' role on the team? And if you were in charge of the Bucks, how would you best use him to maximize his abilities and, and get the best for the team as a whole? Yeah, I, I think you're thinking of two years ago when Brooke Lopez shooting like six threes a game mm-hmm. was just a shock to everyone, right? And, and and then they took last season, that rate dropped quite a bit, and, and you saw more post-ups. I think this season you're seeing it balance itself back out. So take the post-ups and, and try to get the advantages when you have them and shoot the threes when they're available. Um, I still think that maybe he should just go back to the other thing uh, and – get that three-point attempt rate even higher so that Giannis has more space to operate. But, you know, what do I know? Uh, the, the defensive stuff, again, it's more just about teams know what they're doing. And that floater, with, with, with guys being able to shoot the floater at the percentages that they're a, a, able to make them now, I mean, it's become a really good shot. You know, um, there are bigs now that have that little eight to ten foot push shot. That didn't, that didn't exist three years ago. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the thing guys were doing. And so, you know, I just think that the game changes really, really fast. Drop is relatively new. It's only really been in vogue for, you know, six years, five years, something like that. And I think what you've seen is teams have caught up. Uh, Teams are shooting the lights out. They're shooting a lot more. I mean, it's now if you're on the court, you're probably averaging at least two attempts a game. And that's every position. So, you know, it, it's a myriad of things that have just sort of caught up with that scheme. And, and again, it still works situationally, but you need to have other stuff. You got to mix up your coverages. You know, if, if a pitcher just went out there and exclusively threw fastballs, you'd get destroyed. Yeah. It's why you've got to mix up your pitches. And basketball is no different when it comes to defense or offense. If you ran one play every single time on offense, how long is it going to take the defense to, to catch up to every single iteration of it? Not long. And defense is the same way. And so, you know, uh, until they uh, take that approach, I, I just don't have any faith that they're going to be able to pull this off in the playoffs. And, and a lot of that is because Brooke Lopez is negated a little bit because of the way the teams are approaching it. Yeah, I would tend to agree. And you, t- you took the words right out of my mouth. I said, you need to have an off-speed pitch. You need to have something else. And you mentioned the floater. And I love that you brought that up because in Seth and Eric's article, they asked Coach Budenholzer about it and J.B. Bickerstaff, the head coach of the Cavs, and the Bucks were letting Darius Garland and Colin Sexton hit floaters on them. And that worries me because if, if Cleveland can do it, and I like Cleveland, I enjoy watching them, Sexton and, and Garland and, and Allen, it's a fun team to watch. But if those guys can hit floaters consistently, what can Kyrie and James Harden do? Like, what can some of these other teams in the East do? That floater isn't just a, oh, you let them take that. That's a shot that can hurt you. 
Exactly. It can hurt you. Now, again, though, I understand the, the, the old school kind of coaching notion. And it was, that is a bad shot. And, and I guess technically it is, but now it's kind of become an okay shot. And yeah. you have to adjust along with the game. And, and you know, the, the teams that are great and stay great, that's what they do. They adjust as the game evolves. And, and I just think you want to see more of that out of a team that has a player of the caliber of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, I, I just want to see this team potentially be great because I think it could be. Yeah, I, I want to see him maximize. And it's funny, you talk about an okay shot or a decent shot. I always think of Paul George saying, I don't care what anybody says, that's a bad shot, as Damian Lillard hits the shot right over him. Right? You talk about a bad shot. It doesn't always, <laughs> if it goes in, right, it, it doesn't mean it's, you know, it's it's right. a good shot. It happened to go in. Last thing I want to ask you about, Dave DeFore from The Athletic. I thought you had a tweet the other night that was just brilliant. And you pointed out that the NBA has, has kind of become episodic, where on any given night, it's fun to watch. And, you know, you might see a, a fun finish, but it doesn't feel connected. The narratives aren't there this season. Like, can you reiterate that for my audience and explain it? Because I, I think I butchered it when I tried to explain it yesterday. Um, yeah, basically, it's just that this season is so weird that uh, it's just so weird that nothing feels like it's together. Right. Just no, there's no story there uh, from night to night. The cast of characters are different. The just you you the lineup volatility mm-hmm. because of the health and safety protocols because of the shortened season because of how many players are coming back from injuries. I mean, think about how many guys wound up missing so much time. I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, <laughs> missed so much time because of his he, having an injury the previous season. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you look at the myriad of of reasons why this season is odd. It just feels a bit surreal, and it doesn't help that we're all kind of going through this, you know, weird time in life as it is. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I just I was just expressing kind of uh, my take on how hard it has been to create analysis for this season and what's happening because it is weird. Like this to me is the asterisk season, not in the bubble. The bubble was like ideal conditions. The bubble is what the league should be shooting for. Like, that's the kind of basketball that they should want to display every single night when you see these guys, how fresh they were, uh, you know, without the travel and and how just amped the energy was from those guys. So I I think that, if anything, the asterisk is on this season, and it applies to more than just the championship. I think the season itself is just so weird. I really don't know if I have any big takeaways right now. You wrote that the big picture of the league is just a big Lakers logo in the middle and everything else is blurry, which I love. And and I was thinking about this yesterday, Dave. Do you think it makes a difference that the Lakers are reigning champs and LeBron is a reigning champ too? So there's not that that tension of every day in the media saying, well, can LeBron get back? Can the Lakers turn it around? Do you think that plays a role too? Absolutely. And that's a great point because I think that if they had won the title in the bubble, and then they come out and they're flat and they're just bad. Yeah. Let's say they just they don't look good and it looks like the bubble was a fluke. Like the Heat. This season would be even worse. Right, like the Heat. This season would be even worse. But I think that there is a bit of comfort in the stability. And, I, I, I mean, it helps that they're very good and they're fun to watch when they're trying. And, you know, there's, there's a lot <laughs> to like about the Lakers being good. But 
But ultimately, I, that's the only thing I know is that the Lakers are very good, and I don't think anybody can touch them this year. Yeah, that's how they're looking. And their coach plays Wesley Matthews in crunch time minutes, which is something that, God, I would have loved to see you on Matthews is in Milwaukee. But that's just that's me being petty. Dave, I appreciate you, and I'm super thankful that you were willing to come on and, and school us a little bit on some, some technical things, but also talk big picture about the Bucks and, and about the rest of the league. I like reading your stuff, uh, and we definitely talk about it a lot on the show. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah, anytime, man. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Enjoy the games and, and hopefully talk to you soon down the line. That's Dave DeFore of The Athletic. He's got a great podcast, and I appreciate his podcast. I actually don't listen to very many pods because it's it's hard to create my own content for the show during the day while listening to somebody else's show. But I do like digging into Dave's stuff, and, and their podcast, The Athletic, is called Nerder, She Wrote, which is funny. And I appreciate it because sometimes when I'm reading about play design and percentages and analytics, I can get lost in the reading. It's really dense and it's really heavy. So if I can read that and then also hear them talk about it, right, it's a lot easier for me to absorb and I end up getting a lot more out of it. So I would recommend the podcast for that reason. Even if you like reading and learning, I think it's sometimes, I'm a very, I'm an audio learner. I like hearing things, um, which makes sense because I do a radio show, but I would recommend it. Dave Dufour, that's D-U-F-O-R-E, quite literally do and then the number four spelled out. Thanks again, Dave. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this basketball conversation, and then we'll get back into football after 5 o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show rolling on my name is grant bills i hope you're having a great friday thanks for hanging out talking a little packers a little jj watt but we just got off the horn with our friend dave dufour new friend of the show from the athletic great podcaster great twitter follow if you find yourself just watching random nba games throughout the week if that's what you like doing you got to follow dave because he's always jumping around watching this team watching that team and if you're nerdy about random teams like I am, like you'll get lost in a Kings-Celtics game on a late Thursday night, well, then you got to follow Dave because he is, he's the same way. And his commentary is uh, is great, but it's also quite funny and I enjoy it. So I appreciate him joining us. And I talked to him a little bit over the break. He said he'd be willing to come back maybe towards the playoffs. So I think we impressed him. I think we did it. Good job, everyone. Good job. We have another new guest coming up at 530. So don't relax. We have to uh, put on a professional face today. Uh, on the talking text line, 608-796-2558. Jordan reaches out, talking about J.J. Watt, as does Rob, as does Jeff. We'll talk about that in a few minutes right after 5 o'clock. Private Bink says more steel guitar. I can do that. I can absolutely do that. We'll work more steel guitar into the show. Ab- absolutely. I would love that. Dave said some interesting things, and I want to talk about the Bucks in the NBA for just a couple minutes before we break at 5 o'clock. Talking about Brooke Lopez. Weirdly, the vibe that I got from Dave, and I I wish I would have had time to ask a follow-up and really dig. I mean, I would have loved to talk to him for a half hour, but I didn't want to keep him more than 15 minutes. And I, he mentioned something about Brooke Lopez, that Brooke Lopez needs to get back to shooting more threes, like shoot six threes a game to create more space for Giannis. That would certainly follow the trend in today's NBA. We all know that more threes are being taken than ever before. We're jacking threes at an unprecedented rate. But the rate of NBA players which take those threes has also gone up. Right? There are very few players in the NBA who aren't at least, you know, ripping one or two a game. 
the typical starting lineup in the NBA these days, four or five of those starters can shoot three-pointers and do. Like Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart shoots three-pointers all the time, and he's not particularly good at it, but he shoots enough of them to where it influences the defense and it influences the other team. Now, maybe Brooke Lopez isn't going to shoot 40, 45% like we saw two years ago, but if he can convert it, 35, 36, 37%, and he can take six of them a game, well, that's going to create more space for Giannis. And what I wish I would have asked Dave, but we didn't have enough time, to boil this down very simply, the vibe that I got and what I've been thinking about recently is everyone on the Bucks should take more threes except for Giannis. So like Giannis the other night, how many threes did he take in the Phoenix game? He took four and he missed all four of them. So let's say we take those four away from Giannis and we give uh, two to Brooke, which puts him at six. And we give one more to Middleton, which puts him at seven. And we give one more to Brent Forbes, which puts him at nine. Dante's probably okay with six. Giannis shoots zero threes. And then the rest of the starters get an extra attempt or, or two throughout the game. I actually think that's smart. I, It's not that I don't want Giannis to shoot threes. I want him to be a good three-point shooter. But I... I don't know if just sprinkling in a couple of random three-point attempts at various moments throughout the game. I don't know if that's good for Giannis, and I don't know if it's good for the Bucks. Like, he'll have good nights where he'll hit a couple. He had one against the Lakers last year. And look, that's not like the only game he's ever hit a three. If you watch SportsCenter, you listen to Talking Heads, they'll make it sound like that's the only game he's ever hit a three, which isn't the case. But against the Suns the other night, like, they completely wasted a couple of possessions just for the sake of getting Giannis a three-point attempt. And and if we're going to experiment and try things and tinker, I think there is a better way to experiment and try and tinker. There, there's a better way to, to mix it up than Giannis jacking threes off the dribble, especially at the beginning of the shot clock. So I got that sense from Dave, and I would tweet it out, but I don't want to put words in Dave's mouth. We, we just met each other. I don't want to I don't want to jump to conclusions. I do think that it would make sense for like every buck to shoot an extra two or three a game and maybe Giannis to take a step back and and shoot a couple less. I think that would make sense. I think that'd be good. Let's take a break, get back into J.J. Watt, back into the Packers, and we'll talk with Landry Locker about the Texans coming up at 5.30. All that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show and, of course, more steel guitar. Binksy requested it, so we're going to humor him. Here you go. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Happy Friday. My name is Grant Bills, and I'm so glad you're here. We've had a lot of fun talking about the Texans and J.J. Watt, and that's the big news of the day, but also a little bit NBA and a little bit about the Bucks. We spoke with Dave DeFore back at 4.30, and if you missed that, you can check out the podcast. The Talking Text Line, some texts coming in, and I will get to these coming up in about 15 minutes from Sean and Monty and Brett, uh, and we'll get to those. We'll talk more Packers, and, and I want to hear from you by the end of the show. But right now, a brand new guest to the show, which is always fun. I love having first-time guests. It's Landry Locker from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. It's their intercom station. So if you ever want to check it out, it's 10 to 2, uh, and you can find that on radio.com. Landry, first, welcome to the show. Our friend Cody Stutes connected me with you, and I got to say, you're the only two Texas guests I've ever had on, and both of you have the most Texas names ever, and I love it. Oh, very good. Well, appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm happy to be the... Uh... Be the second. Cody's a good guy. I'm happy to be associated with him. Happy to be on the show. Yeah, Cody Stutes, we talked to him when the Packers played the Texans, I don't know, a couple of months ago. 
And it was funny, and, and I loved his personality because he wasn't willing to, uh, or he was willing to, to not pull punches. Like, he, he was frustrated with the Texans, and I think that frustration has been mounting, and it must be with J.J. Watt, too, because they released him this morning. He put out a video, and, and he said he sat down with the McNairs, and, and he asked for his release. Two questions. Did this surprise you? Were you expecting him to be released? And J.J. Watt made it seem like he asked for this. Do you think the Texans were going to release him anyways? Like, was this going to happen anyways? He was due almost $18 bucks. Um, I, I was not surprised, uh, and I was very happy for J.J. because this is the worst-run organization um, maybe in the history of the NFL. Honestly, I don't think uh, I, I, anything else is even really in the discussion. Uh, I, I've tried, and I can't really think of another. So I was happy for J.J. to get away from it. Uh, and as far as the release goes, I, I think it was just as simple as, um, you know, they probably could have traded him, and they maybe they could have got, like, you know, a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick. Who knows at this point with J.J.? Uh, but he wanted to pick his destination. So I, I think that was this, this, the discussion uh, and how it went. Uh, maybe they were going to do it anyways, but I think he just wanted to make sure – uh, that he had a chance to, you know, pick his own destination, pick where he ends up. And who knows? Maybe Green Bay's got to be on that list of, of teams that he's uh, he's looking at. I know he wants to chase a ring, but I, no, I was I was not surprised. I was very happy for JJ to uh, be able to do, you know, what what his childhood uh, hero out there, Reggie White, got to do, what Neil Smith got to do for different reasons, what Demarcus Ware got to do with the Cowboys, elite pass rushers, given everything they have to a city, and then going and chasing that ring and hopefully like the the previous mentioned three guys uh, hopefully jj is able to do that as well i'd be very happy for him and i think i don't like to speak for others uh but i would say that the overwhelming majority of the people here in houston would be very happy to see jj put a uh, super bowl ring on his finger yeah yeah i would imagine and i never made that connection like you said reggie white or demarcus Ware, pass rushers that have gone on to well and julius peppers as well with the packers late in his career right that are, you know, a cornerstone of a franchise, and then they get that that nice maybe two- or three-year window at the end where they get to go ring chase. That's an interesting take, and I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Do you have any idea or, or a guess as to where Watt might choose? Like, I know, obviously, you know, we can't know what he's thinking, but you're a lot closer to the situation than I am. The odds are high on Pittsburgh, which is understandable, or, or Tampa Bay or Green Bay. Do you have a guess, like maybe some inside info that you heard today? What can you tell me about that? Uh, I would say I would say Pittsburgh's on the list. He's talked about playing with his brothers potentially. My only thing with that is I don't think that Pittsburgh is really a contender right now. I think Ben Roethlisberger's best days are behind him. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if going to Pittsburgh is really. I mean, they already had a good defense, and you know, I, I guess they have to shuffle around some money this year or this week with Ben Roethlisberger, forty-one million to try to shuffle it over two years so it would be a cute story with him and his brothers and stuff but if he really wants to win a ring I mean I think he's going to have to zero in on teams like Green Bay or maybe even Tampa Bay Tampa Bay's got some cap space and in Dominican Sousa free agent so maybe he could go there and join uh, that D-line I I think it's going to be you look at some of the the, the best teams in the league that's where I think JJ ends up Uh, and, and I think Pittsburgh the Packers Tampa Bay uh, Buffalo, I could see, I could see him ending up in Buffalo. Uh, I think it's it's going to be teams. If you if you just list the contenders in the NFL, that's where he's going to go. Sure, sure, that makes sense. And and I was going back and forth with some listeners on the phone, and and I think we all kind of agreed that money's probably not the number one focus. He's got a lot of money, and he's he's a special NFL case too, where he's actually going to do pretty well in endorsements. Right, the NBA everybody does well in shoes and endorsements, but that's not always the case in the NFL. And 
JJ's doing pretty well in that department. Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 in Houston, joining us on the Wisco Sports Show. Now, you, you, when we started this interview, you immediately took shots at Houston. And I, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. I don't know who you know or who you're connected to. So I, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. So if you don't want to comment on this, you don't have to. But I, I want to tell you my perspective from a distance. And you tell me if I'm wrong. It seems to me like Cal McNair is getting sold a bill of goods. Like, like I don't want to call him stupid, Like, but like somebody's in his ear. And I know everybody's talking about Jack Easterby. I, I know that he's this chaplain character coach. I don't know exactly what he does. What's going on there? Can you explain to me what's going on with Easterby and, and maybe what he's doing in that front office to influence ownership and, and everybody else? I mean, he's he's ruining the franchise. Is is really what he's doing? And, and yeah, he is in Cal McNair's ear. And you know, we we are the flagship, but it's a performance business. And, and what you're supposed to do is evaluate people on performance. And Jack Easterby, since he's been in Houston, has sucked uh, in any tangible way you want to measure him. Like you can have these like empty quotes, and you can say that you know he's improving stuff. But he was brought here in April of 2019. Uh, at the very least, to improve the culture. And they have the worst culture that I remember in the NFL. Uh, the roster's gotten worse. They've given away guys and have nothing to show for it. So the roster, uh, you've had GMs. Uh, they're, they're on their third GM since he got here. Uh, he was negotiating contracts last year. They're not in a good of a cap situation. Um, but nothing he's done that you can measure tangibly has been successful. And for whatever reason, unlike any other area, uh, in this business and in football and in sports as a whole, um, the guy gets a raise and he gets more and more power. And now your team president resigned yesterday. Best player in franchise history uh, got to get the heck out of town. Your quarterback wants out of town. And you hired a coach that nobody else in the NFL even considered hiring really for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's just been awful. And I, for some reason, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the guy brings in basically his clone yesterday, who's uh, Dylan Thompson, who's going to be a character coach. They're one of two or three teams in the NFL that have a character coach, and that guy's supposed to be in the locker room, like helping out guys. It's, it's an absolute disaster. It's not good. Uh, maybe it gets better. Maybe he gets the last laugh. Maybe three years from now. I hope uh, that I look uh, I look dumb and everybody else looks dumb, and, and and Jack Easterby and Cal McNair are laughing. But right now, I mean, he's he's. He's been the worst thing that has happened to football in Houston since the Oilers just picked up and left for Tennessee in the middle of the night. That's where he is right now. Sports are fluid. It can change. But as we sit right now, Jack Easterby is the worst thing to have happened to football in Houston since the Oilers left town. The, the way that you are discussing Jack Easterby is kind of the way that Packers fans are trying to discuss Jordan Love. Like, we want him to succeed, right? Like, we don't want to cheer against our own team, but we're not exactly happy about what's going on, right? It's like, hey, I wish all the best for Jordan Love. It's not anti-Jordan Love. We want the team to succeed, but as a fan, you know, that, that pick didn't really sit well with us, and obviously Jack Easterby is an exec. Jordan Love's a player. It's a little different, but I think fandom, sometimes yeah, we, we mean, have to but, juggle but it both ways. About, the good thing about Jordan Love is that maybe that kind of ticked Aaron Rodgers off and maybe he played a little bit better. And, and maybe at the very least, uh, he sits on the sidelines and Aaron Rodgers just keeps playing. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, he can at least stay out of the way. And, and the only consequence you guys really have is, you know, a, a first-round pick. I mean, we gave away two first-round picks and a second-round pick for Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. Uh, the draft was awful last year. They traded DeAndre Hopkins for 
the ghost of David Johnson in a second-round pick, and they had some random fourth-round pick swap. Uh, you trade Jadavian Clowney, I think, for uh, a sack of peanuts, unshelled. Uh, <laughs> you, you gave out – they gave Randall Cobb a three-year deal to where he's guaranteed $10 million the, the next few years. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, y'all know, y'all know how much Randall Cobb had left in the tank. He's here now. Like, it's – at least Jordan Love can just stay out of the way and you guys can say, well, maybe this, you know, motivated Aaron Rodgers and, you know, a first-round pick. This guy, this guy is, is milling the franchise. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It's, it's insane. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad that you're not pulling punches. Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610. I want to ask you about the new GM because everybody talks about Easterby, but the general manager is Nick Casario. And what what weirded me out, and tell me if I'm reading this incorrectly, what weirded me out is the Casario hire, the way that it timed out, seemed to really upset Deshaun Watson, where he now he's even more upset with the organization, which is odd to me because I, I would think quarterbacks have an opinion on a head coach or an offensive coordinator, right? A a hire could make them happy or a hire could bum them out. But it seems odd to me that a quarterback would be angry by the hiring of a GM. And I'm not blaming Deshaun Watson for that. I'm asking, was he the only one that responded negatively to the Casario hire? Or what went down when he was brought in as the GM after 20 years or so in New England? I, see, I, I don't think even at the at the very least he's mad that Casario was here. The, okay. the, what his camp is saying is basically that they don't like that he had to find out about it on social media. And the problem with the Casario hire is that Easterby a year and a half ago tampered with uh, uh, Casario after uh, the GM Brian Gang got fired. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a history there. So there's just a perception that Easterby's running stuff. But I really don't, you know. <laughs> We were talking about this on my show uh, the other day, and I think my, my co-host, John Lopez, brought up a really good point. He says that he, he believes, and he's kind of convinced me, that Deshaun Watson talking about the hiring process or you know that, that being some sort of breaking point is almost like the didn't empty the dishwasher uh, final straw in a divorce. Sure. Like You can go through a bad marriage and you hold on for three years and it's terrible and it stinks probably should have gotten divorced three years ago and then the final fight is well he or she didn't empty the dishwasher and whenever you ask what 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 did y'all fight about you can say well they didn't empty the dishwasher but that's not really the reason for the divorce i think it goes back to the deandre hopkins trade i think it goes to the the the, the bill o'brien thing i think it goes to jack easterby uh being able to basically uh run stuff uh, the, the roster around him. I, he, I, I, Deshaun can say, and they can try to say that it was as simple as Cal just had to text me and tell me they were hiring Casario. I'm just not buying that because if, if it's that, if it's something that small, then <laughs> you really didn't have confidence in the organization to begin with. I think Deshaun's frustration goes back to the DeAndre Hopkins trade, uh, and I think he's just trying to find something that he can tangibly point to and sure. say. This is why I want out, but I think he's won. I, I think he probably wanted out even when he signed his contract and knew he was going to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, and I love the dishwasher comparison because my one of my favorite shows is Everybody Loves Raymond, and there's an episode where Ray and Deborah just have it out over a new can opener, and it's not about the can opener. Obviously, that's just that's what sets it off, and I guess that makes a lot more sense. It was the straw that broke the camel's back, rather than you know the actual GM itself. Million dollar question, and I want to ask you before I let you go, Landry. Do you think Deshaun Watson actually gets traded? Because we love kicking around trade possibilities, but I like it's fun to talk about. But do you think they actually deal them? I have a hard time seeing that. I do, uh, I do, and if they don't, I don't think he's going to step on the field. Um, okay. 
you know, I, I would say the window would be 76 days. They're, they're not going to – I don't think they're going to make it clear that they're trying to ship him. Uh, I think they're going to try to play hardball, uh, maybe even at the start of free agency. But I would say the next 76 days, if I were to bet on it, that Deshaun gets traded just because that's when the draft starts. So, you know, we, we had a countdown with J.J. Watt. I think it was at before he got released today, before the show, it was like 34 days, I think, because free agency tampering. It might have been 33. But I think, I think Deshaun gets traded within the next 11 days. And if he doesn't, I don't see any way that he steps on the field. I think he's, I think he's pretty dug in. Uh, and I think eventually they're going to ship him. Uh, it's going it's to be crazy, but I, I, I do think he's done. Yeah, that's insane. It's it's insane. It's fun to kick around trade possibilities, but you know, people do it with Aaron Rodgers, and we're doing it with Kirk Cousins. You just you do it in the off season. It's it's how you entertain yourself. But yeah, I guess that's pretty clear. I, I, maybe I'll be a little bit more open to the possibility of an actual trade. Well, I, this has been a blast, and I appreciate you, Landry. And, and I know I hit you up late today because I wanted to find a Texans guest and. And it was really fun to talk to you, and I appreciate your honesty and your your criticalness of your team uh, and your uh, your take on Deshaun Watson as well. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks again. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks again. That's Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 uh, in Houston. That's their intercom station. So once again, if you liked what you heard, you want to check them out, 10 to 2. You can do so on the uh, on the radio.com app. That's pretty, um, that's pretty scalding. The worst run organization in sports, and it's not close. I don't necessarily disagree. And just because it's fun to sometimes enjoy the misery of others, although I take no pleasure in the misery of Texans fans, it is wild what's going on in that front office. And if you haven't really heard the full story, I talked about it briefly way back at four o'clock, but if you haven't heard the story, it's insane. And I do want to share that with you coming up next. I'll also, get to your texts, and we'll do the final kind of analysis Packers, JJ Watt. Do we actually think it could happen? That coming up next as we wrap up the week here on the Wisco Sports Show.